This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Hi there, I'm your host, Amanda Laramie. Today, we continue the conversation we started just last week with Caitlin Boger. She's an LMSW and the Director of Integrated Care at Hunter Health, which is in Wichita, Kansas. If you haven't already listened to our last episode with Caitlin, you may want to go back and listen to that full episode first. It's episode number 14. And just in case you forgot, here's a clip. Because Mm -hmm. before, if a patient was physically ill, they would cancel their therapy appointment because they didn't want to get their therapist sick. Now, if you're physically ill and you're depressed, we might as well just see you for both Mm -hmm. things and try to figure that out. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's nice about seeing them in the exam rooms is I know where the provider that I'm working with is at all times. So today we continue the conversation and jump right into how Hunter Health makes their integrated care model work for them financially. In case you forgot, we left you on a cliffhanger last week. I asked the question, how does Hunter Health bill for this? And we're about to hear uh, Caitlin answer. So listen for that as well as what providers think of the integrated care model. I had a provider say to me one time, and it, it kind of still makes me a little goosebumpy. I feel like I can fall asleep better because she said, before you guys came, I put my head on my pillow and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, that patient. Did I schedule him with a follow-up? Because I need to see him again in two weeks. He was really bad today. He was crying. But then they told me I had to move on because I have four patients scheduled an hour. And then she was just, she said I would just start thinking. And she said I'd get out of bed and I'd turn my computer on to see if he was scheduled. We don't want that. Like <laughs> That's why people don't want to work in healthcare. Let's finish our interview with Director of Integrated Health, Caitlin Boger. We're going to transition for a second to talk about payment because everyone who's listening to this wants to know like how you bill for this or if you bill for this. But for the future, when we move to a value-based payment system, it's going to be largely about paying health centers to keep patients well, no matter what that means for their visit. And so this model seems to lend itself really well to that. What about now? What about how that works for you at Hunter now? It works pretty well. I mean, we have a CEO who is willing to try things, which Mm -hmm. has been amazing for us. Mm -hmm. You know, when it was first me, I was so overwhelmed. We were billing so many things because Mm -hmm. I, so I build psychotherapy when I meet with patients for the allowed amount of time. So it's time-based in Kansas. It totally depends where you are and, you know, what those rules are, Mm -hmm. but it's time-based in Kansas. If I'm doing psychotherapy, which most of the time I am, I'm using my therapy skills in order to help a patient learn coping skills, help a patient learn about their condition, assessing their condition, that kind of stuff. I bill it. And initial assessments we do with every single patient that comes in the door. We have a different philosophy than a lot of places do where, but we're also more available to see patients. So it's kind of a different way of being. We try to get as much information in the initial assessment to give a a working diagnosis. So the diagnosis usually is the way it stays. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we meet with a patient. We feel like we need to get more records. They're not a good historian. Sometimes there's a developmental disability, so we're not getting quite the right information. 
we do an assessment, we bill it, we get the rest of the information we need, Mm -hmm. and then we follow up with them. Mm -hmm. If we don't get a clear diagnosis, we're always seeing them again in a month, usually two weeks. So I think before we thought the longer you spend with a patient, the more help they get. There's actually a lot of studies out now that say past 30 minutes, they're not getting much from you. Mm -hmm. And Medicaid and Medicare are starting to change the rules. They're not paying for those 50 minute therapy sessions anymore Uh because of those studies. So they're saying 40 minutes is what you, I expect you to do in a therapy session, which is really hard for people that do therapy outside of primary care because booking 40 minute sessions is confusing and difficult for patients who are used to getting 50 minutes. Right. Right. And so when you do have a patient who you say, I want to see in two weeks, right? do they make an appointment for their primary care provider? Or do they make an appointment with you? Describe that. Yep. Their primary care provider okay. is what we always do because, so we bundle our services. Mm-hmm. So what we can do for, cause we're a federally qualified health center and we also have IHS Indian health service money. Mm-hmm. So we have discussed with payer sources and the ability through her set of bundle. So we bundle our services so that they can see us and the provider for the same cost. Okay. We were doing the seat just me in two weeks, like go ahead, just come in and check in on yeah. me. What happened most times was they needed a medication change or we mm-hmm. thought they might, you know, my staff, um, they're all licensed social workers. So they're not qualified to make that decision if they mm-hmm. need a medication change. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we would think maybe they do, maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. I would think so because they're not sleeping, something like that. Mm-hmm. So what would happen was they'd come, they'd meet with me and then I'd be using the fact that I think our providers are wonderful people and <laughs> care about our patients to take their time, not scheduled to see this patient. So I just go up to one of them that had seen them last and say, Hey, will you please come see this patient? And they'd go, okay. Cause they're nice people, but not because it was on their schedule, which was then messing up all the other patients that were scheduled that day, instead uh, of just planning for them to be there in two weeks to see both of us. And if it only takes two minutes of the provider's time to check in and say, Hey, it looks like you're doing really great. Caitlin says you're doing great. I'm so proud of you. Is there anything you need from me? then they're done. So, and just to clarify of the right terminology, Caitlin, mm-hmm. psychiatrists are ones who can prescribe or that's like, I always get that confused. Psych- yes. Psychiatrists. Yeah. So, cause I've worked with so many places who has like a psychiatrist who comes once a week for one day or once a week for a half session. And what we saw, I'm thinking about this one place in Los Angeles is the wait list to get in to see them was super long. Yeah. And we started identifying like all the patients who were being referred to them by primary care providers. And we noticed that it was for patients who needed some sort of antidepressant and the primary care <laughs> provider didn't feel comfortable prescribing it. And so they all went to the psychiatrist and the wait list was so long. <laughs> yeah. So the average age of a psychiatrist in the United States is 56. Mm-hmm. So we oh, better figure this out. In the next 10 years or we're we're all in trouble. Uh (laughs) Yeah. People aren't going into it. So that's one big problem. Medical doctors don't want to be psychiatrists anymore. It's hard work. Mm. My understanding is people don't feel like they get reimbursed for the work that they do. It's really exhausting work. Mm. You know, it's hard to have that much weight of the world on you. And I'm sure it's harder being a psychiatrist because it's a lot. Mm -hmm. What I've found is psychiatrists know so much about meds and they're so specialized and really great, but we shouldn't be sending the people to do what 
what we could do first. Mm -hmm. We should be using them when we're not sure what to do and when we really need help. Mm -hmm. So social workers, at least in Kansas, are very well trained in diagnosing. So if you want diagnostic clarity, that's an easy thing to do and a way, you know, fortunately Mm -hmm. or fortunately not cheaper way to do Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of the community health centers, mental health centers actually in Kansas use social workers in that same way. They use the diagnosis that the social worker goes off of just like we do at Hunter Mm -hmm. to make that initial medication. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have so many resources available to us now. There's up to date. There's all these different prescribing Mm -hmm. patterns that you can try to figure out what meds a patient may do well on. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be those complex patients that maybe need a psychiatrist, but yeah, someone brand new in the door has never been tried on an antidepressant. I guess our philosophy is get a good diagnosis, try a med that's clinically indicated for that patient that makes sense for their Mm -hmm. symptoms and follow up quickly because Uh it's going to be, if we send them to the community mental health center, that's a wonderful place in town. They have wonderful psychiatrists. I think they're great it's going to be six or seven weeks before they get in there and they're just going to be chilling with nothing. So it's not what we choose to do most of the time. And I think that that's where the world is kind of heading Mm -hmm. into that. Let's give something a go. And I think that's where schizophrenia is. I think that's why where bipolar disorders are too. So the comfort level, I think from what I've observed from our medication providers, isn't the medication themselves because they actually prescribe some pretty intense seizure meds, for example, you know, heart meds, things Mm -hmm. like that for our patients that can't afford to see a specialist, but they're more worried that the diagnosis is wrong, Mm -hmm. that they're going to give a bipolar patient a depression medication and make them more manic. And then they're going to go do something dangerous. They're more worried about that than they are about actually giving the med. Interesting. I was just going to ask that question. You answered it already about like, if you, what, what the medical providers have said about this model, like, so they, they feel a little more comfortable because you're helping with the diagnosis. What else do they say about this model? I think they really enjoy that we get to see the patients more frequently. A Mm -hmm. lot of psychiatrists only see patients every three months, which makes it really hard to get to know a patient, especially if they're really struggling with Mm -hmm. anxiety or depression. I had a patient recently who has a post-traumatic stress disorder from a really intense car accident where she almost died. The way she describes what happened, it sounds like it happened to her yesterday, but it happened five or six years ago. And so... When I, once you get to know a patient and you understand what the underlying cause is, mm-hmm. you might know that certain medications might work well for that, but this mm-hmm. is a trauma that she's always going to have to cope with. Mm-hmm. So if you just treated that like it was depression, which when you look at her symptom inventory, it sure, sure looks that way, you know, mm-hmm. it's not right. So I think that's where some of our, their comfort level comes from is they want to help people. That's why they went to school. That's why they work at a federally qualified health center. I mean, and, and like my example earlier, when I'm begging them to see a patient of mine, I can't remember the last time someone was out in our lobby and one of the providers said, no, I don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't happen here because that's what they came here to do, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most amazing things about this place. But what happens is they get worried about the patient. And so some of the things, you know, they say to me is I, I had a provider say to me one time and it, it kind of still makes me a little goosebumpy. I feel like I can fall asleep better because she said, before you guys came, I put my head on my pillow and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, that patient, did I schedule him with a follow-up? Cause I need to see him again in two weeks. Mm-hmm. 
he was really bad today. He was crying, Mm -hmm. but then they told me I had to move on because I have four patients scheduled an hour. And then she was just, she said, I would just start thinking. And she said, I'd get out of bed and I'd turn my computer on to see if he was scheduled. We don't want that. Like That's why people don't want to work in healthcare. Right. Right. Caitlin, this structure, I mean, what you've described in this model points to MAs being um, pretty empowered to run the flow because it sounds like they're directing you as an integrated care consultant. They're directing a primary care provider. They're working with the nurse to decide who needs to go on the patient visit when. Um, You know, we interviewed your CEO, Amy, um, earlier. Amy described that at Hunter Health, you're using some team dance steps to help structure primarily between the primary care provider and MA. But I was curious to ask you what team dance steps may come into play with the role of the integrated care consultant. Yeah. So the MAs who are well-trained in our model, and when we get them, part of it is, you know, shadowing someone who knows the model, who knows us. We just hired a new MA um, who's getting trained. And I kind of overheard one of the MAs who's, you know, a rock star telling her about, you know, all the different steps involved in our process and like basically kind of how to manage me, <laughs> which is, you know, always, always fun for me to hear. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. make her think she's making the decision. <laughs> so I think a lot of it is respect for what they think and how they, how they manage patients and this kind of back and forth about what they're asking patients. I want, so for example, we had a different MA rooming for us th- today because our MA recently had twins. Mm. Um, and so she came in and she just said to me, Hey, Caitlin, do you prefer if I give them the GAD two? And then if it's positive, I give them the GAD seven, or are you going to ask them those questions? And I'm like, Oh no, you, like <laughs> you know, like, so it's empowerment and it's a lot of that back and forth. So, I mean, part of right. our, our kind of dance is, preference that makes me feel clinically okay. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is what's our system and what's our process. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is the back and forth and the movement. Usually at Hunter, the integrated care consultant goes in before the provider. So I think we get a lot of those 30 second reports Mm. and then we give the next 30 second report. To the provider. Right. Okay. So can I just clarify? So the MA goes in to see the patient, does an initial like intake, then gives a 30 second brief report to you. And then you give a 30 second report to the provider. Right. Okay. Yeah. So some of the things the MA told me, I tease out differently and then we find out better information. So sometimes the MA will say the patient has these 27 concerns, Caitlin, Uh and you know, they're 15 minute appointments, which probably no way 27 things are getting taken care of today, Mm -hmm. but are all 27 things actually a symptom of this one thing, Mm -hmm. anxiety or blood pressure. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I can help that patient triage what's going on, which has been kind of amazing because a lot of provider time actually used to be spent before we had this pinpointed system where the MA asks questions and then I ask questions when they have a lot of concerns, which mm-hmm. is another ICC flag. Mm-hmm. It's more than three things that they want to talk about. Okay. So I, when I go in, sometimes I can talk them through what's going on today. What are you having trouble with? What thing is bothering you the most? So I can help triage what needs to happen. And then the provider actually gets to ask more specific questions about that thing and has a more impactful appointment Mm -hmm. than they would have had before where they were teasing out what all these things are. Uh Uh-huh. So it's this, it's almost like agenda setting in some way. Yes. 
And yeah. And, yeah, and you know, ahead. some of that stuff isn't billable. Some of it is, it really depends exactly what you're doing. Sure. So part of that is those therapy codes, what you're doing, you know, is it solution focused therapy? Is it just problem solving? What is it? Okay. But some of that agenda sending isn't billable, mm. but it helps move down what's going on with that patient so that they're better overall health. Because sometimes, so, you know, we had a patient come in today that had an issue with his tongue. He had like a cut that got infected. It turned into this whole thing. So he needed his mood stabilizer changed, which I talked to him about. That could have been 15 minutes with the provider. And so could the tongue. But we talked about the mood stabilizer. We figured that out. The provider went in and said, hey, you know, I hear you talked to Caitlin about this. Gave kind of a brief two-minute recap of what we had talked about. He was like, yes. And then they were able to move right into the other problem. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. then he gets his two concerns dealt with in one appointment because the agenda is set correctly to figuring it out rather than the other thing that we noticed that I know when you were here (laughs) was the funniest thing ever. I love going in the room when the MA goes to get the patient because they have, once they've come back a couple of times, they start to have this amazing relationship with the MA and they tell them all these things. (laughs) And even when they don't, the MA prompts them for questions that I actually want to know the answer to. You may think as a behavioral health person, why would I want to know if they went to the dentist in the last year? I guarantee you, you do. (laughs) You know, it's just amazing little pieces like that. You find out all the stuff big parts of your assessment while the MA is in there asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how much of a patient's time we were wasting by re-asking the same questions. Right. Right. So you're describing right now that quick start, that starting the visit at the same time with the MA, which sometimes you do. And sometimes maybe the primary care provider does if you're not going to go in before the visit. Yes. Yeah. I love to go in with the MA because they ask, they know, I think part of it is them knowing our system so well, they know what I really want to know about. So sometimes they'll ask a bunch of questions. They prompt me. So they'll say, don't talk right now, Caitlin, we're taking a blood pressure, but (laughs) they prompt me so that I know what I'm supposed to do, what I can ask. And then sometimes I'll say, I want to ask you some more questions about that in a second and then let the MA move on. But we get family history, which is something that really matters in behavioral health. We get background, we get hospitalization history. But I was, I had no idea that I was going in there and asking the same questions. And when I first saw that, when you guys were here, I was embarrassed that I was re-asking questions Mm -hmm. to a Mm -hmm. person that had just gotten asked those questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually surprised no one got mad at me. (laughs) Like, I can't believe it. I know. I, and you, and that is not uncommon to you. Like we go to health centers all the time and I've sat through many a visit where provider, MA are asking the same questions and patients right. are so patient with us as healthcare providers yeah, to I answer think just twice. Like, I guess you guys didn't talk, right. I don't, you know, and it's so sad because we did. <laughs> That's where it's so upsetting to me. Right. I was so shocked when I learned that. Uh-huh. And I guess I see it. I started seeing it when I go to my primary care doctor, I started realizing that that's true. You know, that the MA asks me some questions. I can tell there's certain things she doesn't care what I'm going to say because she knows that provider is going to ask me too. And Mm -hmm. so it's, and that's not how we operate at Hunter. You know, every question we ask you has a pinpointed reason why, Right. and it helps us plan your care. Uh So that part has been really a 180 from where we were of making sure that we're asking specific questions to help you. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. So my last question, Caitlin, is just any like, so this new model, it seems pretty forward thinking. It seems like you're getting ready for the future of how, I mean, 
A, you're bundling billing payments. This is It's not like you're totally doing this without getting any reimbursement, but it's also setting you up for the future. Are there any other things you would point to, either objective measures or anecdotal feedback that tells you this is a better model than the old traditional? And I don't mean old because it's still happening everywhere else, but the yeah. traditional therapy model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just in general, and I, I know I say it a lot, but I just think it's better care to see a patient and do, you know, the one-stop shop approach where everything gets taken care of mm-hmm. for them in, in one visit. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what we learned was that it didn't have to take longer. And I don't know, I think initially we thought it's, it's silly, but we thought that the integrated care person going in, and I think everyone at Hunter thought this, not just me and not just, you know, the providers or the MA thought that we would increase the visit time by however many minutes we were with that patient. Right. But we actually found there was a lot of time when the patient was just sitting. It was time we weren't taking advantage of, which was before the the provider got in the room when they were with the other patient. Sometimes it was time they were out in the lobby that if we room them a little quicker that they'd be in there. Sometimes it was time when they were out in the lobby that if I went and got them myself and then the MA joined me when they were done with the previous patient, it would be fine. And I think that's the way healthcare is going is team-based care. Interesting. Well, Caitlin, thank you. This is so helpful. Um, This is the innovation podcast. I feel like it's evident what the innovation was for this episode in terms of an innovative, um, prepare for the future kind of integrated behavioral health primary care model. Is there anything else you want to share that you haven't already gotten to tell us? Jeez, I don't know. I don't think so. I just think a lot of it is, you know realizing that it's not just behavioral health. It's what, you know, what you might need to help with your behaviors, which is what makes it interesting for diabetic care and blood pressure and any kind of behavioral change that you might need to do in healthcare is hard, I think. And I think uh, every patient needs integrated care at some point. Wasn't Caitlin great? I got the pleasure to see Caitlin and her team in action when we worked with Hunter Health on their rapid DPI or rapid dramatic performance improvement almost two years ago. It was such a pleasure to see their model evolve and it was even more exciting to hear Hunter share their story on a national stage when they presented at the National Association for Community Health Center conference back in October 2019. A lot of their attendees had follow-up questions for Caitlin and her CEO, Amy Feimer. And if you have any, feel free to follow them on LinkedIn, message them there, or email us at notify at colemanassociates.org. A big thank you to Caitlin for this interview and for the work that she does every day pushing for holistic care in Wichita. Thanks to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for editing this episode and to Ryan Jury for sharing the host chair with me. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please, please help us by taking three seconds to leave a rating. Thanks.